0: Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guests are Jacob Benson and Steve Larson. Jacob is a member of Bankless DAO and goes by Coffee and Crypto on Discord. Steve Larson is the co-founder of Planner DAO and the Certified Digital Asset Advisor designation and has experience as both the founder and chief compliance officer of a large investment firm. Welcome, Jacob. Welcome, Steve. It's a pleasure to have you on Making Bank today. Yep.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Well, this is a special moment. This is the first conversation I've had since waking up after the merge. The ETH merged from POW to POS, from proof of work to proof of stake. We've now reduced energy consumption by over 99%. So congrats on that to the people involved. I had nothing to do with it, but I am super stoked.
2: Yeah, me too. It was a, it was a fun night. I'm on the Pacific time zone. So I didn't have to stay up quite as late as maybe some of you, but it it was fun staying up and watching that.
0: Yeah. And so part of the reason I mentioned that is just to put a moment in time. And then also, if we're a little bit off today, we're a little bit sleep deprived. So I apologize for that. Anyway, let's go ahead and dig right into it. Do you guys want to maybe dig into your background a little bit? Jacob, maybe giving a little bit of your experience joining the down, what brought you here, whatever you'd care to share there.
1: Sure thing. My professional background has always been in the IT space. It's funny now, I can remember six years ago working for a managed service provider here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we had a customer who got their entire network encrypted from some ransomware. And part of the terms of getting the data back was Bitcoin and not having any idea what Bitcoin was and discovering that there was a single Bitcoin ATM in Omaha and that you could only withdraw like hundred dollars or something from that atm at the time which was far below what the folks wanted and then never thinking about crypto for years and years after that until about a year and a half ago and i went down the proverbial rabbit hole and once i wrapped my head around um, the technical ramifications of a blockchain and the thing it could be used for with the background that i have i was all in eventually i found my way to the bankless newsletter Found my way to the Bankless Dow about a year or so ago. I joined the Dow Relationships Guild, the Education Guild, and the Bankless Academy. And within about two weeks, was just completely overwhelmed, and which resulted in me basically doing nothing through the end of the year. At the beginning of this year, got involved just with the Education Guild. I did a Presentation slash webinar on like Web3 security fundamentals for the DAO. It ended up getting involved in uh, the Crypto Nexus project with some folks from the DAO that is still ongoing and what is officially season one here, starting in a couple of weeks. So that led me eventually to Planner DAO, which is how I met Steve, and what is now a side consulting business, which is where the name comes from. We're doing some workshops, just onboarding people one at a time into crypto and NFTs and uh, involved in an investment club with Syndicate Dow and some other family members.
0: Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. I was involved in some of those projects too early on, and I hear you jumping in and a bit of the confusion and so much going on and a lot of moving parts, and you end up stepping away and not getting anything done until you kind of sort things out. So I totally resonate with that. And uh, Steve, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of your background. You're the founder of your co-founder of Planner Dow. And this is a decentralized community of financial advisors. So maybe how you got to that path,
2: got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a a CPA and a certified financial planner. I've been a financial planner most of my adult life. Um, Didn't spend too much time working for big firms, struck out on my own. I've I've been building uh, registered investment advisor firms. Uh, everything from doing all the financial planning and advising, all the compliance, legal work, and, and everything else. And from a one-man shop up to now, our my firm is about $250 million that we manage uh, up here in the Northwest. I have the obligatory trade from 2015 when I bought a Bitcoin, but again, kind of like Jacob was saying, I forgot about it for a long time. And didn't get back into crypto until I got a pop up out of my Brave browser and the word bankless caught my eye and I thought, hey, that's interesting. And then I'm sure a lot of listeners have the same story. And from there, my life was never the same after I clicked on that. So I went back, I was a little late to catch the start. So I went back and listened to all six months of podcast, read every article on the newsletter. And really just was introduced to crypto through that, through Bankless and everything they were offering, which was a lot of fun. And through Bankless, I met my co-founder of the DAO, Adam Blumberg. He'd wrote one of the one of the early articles on the Bankless newsletter about how a financial planner deals with crypto. And I went to read it thinking, man, what's this clown gonna say? And came out of it like, wow, this guy's really knows this stuff. I gotta connect with him. So sent him a message, we connected up. And we're talking about a DAO when Bankless DAO launched. And so that was a big inspiration to say, okay, we have to do this. And right when Bankless DAO launched, I joined the legal guild and I was wandering around there for a little while until our DAO started taking off. And so I didn't really have time to contribute. I'd intended to be a big part of it, but we had our own thing going for planners. So went in that direction. And so we, we built planner DAO and we built the certified digital asset advisor designation, which we hope plays a huge part in the future of Bankless DAO and Bankless Academy as well. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. It's really been a fun ride. And so now I'm looking to combine my two passions in crypto, which is this Bankless community into planner DAO and what we've been able to build there. And so it's really just been a fun journey. I meet new people all the time, like all of you do. Jacob's one of those. He came to our conference, our uh, Plan Our conference at his own expense, representing Bankless Dow. And it was because of that that we've been able to reconnect on a project here that I think is gonna be really, really good thing for both of our DAOs.
0: Very cool. That's great, great background. Thanks a lot. All right, that is a great segue into what we're gonna talk about. One is the re- Probably, I would think, a bit of a review on compliance and liability because I think that's probably top of mind for everyone when it comes to this kind of thing. And then we really want to dig into the proposal that we're wanting to talk about, and that is the Bankless Advisor proposal on Bankless Forum right now, which is currently in discussion, and we're going to be voting on it and moving it to Grants Committee. So this is a very timely discussion. Steve, would you like to kick that off, maybe jumping in and covering some of the compliance Liability topics, summarizing that real quick.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, I I think pretty much everything with the bankless advisor can be put into the context of a fiduciary. Advisors and members of the bankless style want the same thing. We want decentralization. We want non custodial wallets to be used. We really want the economic freedom. We're after the same thing. And there's a lot of people doing education that are after it as well. But when you're talking about giving advice to somebody else or charging a fee to give advice to somebody else, it really hits this whole new level. And, and it's a level that your friends and family don't necessarily have towards you. And obviously people who make YouTube videos don't have towards you. And not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but we're just on a whole new level and we're talking about giving people advice. And so what we want to do is put a whole fiduciary wrapper around the bankless ethos and the bankless community. So the people they care about have some place to go to get that advice. I think the first part of that is just who are the bankless advisors? And there's a couple of pieces to that. And I'll let Jacob jump in and say things from his perspective as he learned about the advisory community and what a fiduciary is. But I'll throw it real quick. Our DAO was doing well, but we really hit, Planner DAO that is, really hit a new level once Bankless published an article that I wrote summarizing a lot of these issues. And so we started to get some crossover. I believe that's where Jacob came from. We started to get some crossover with the communities. And that was really exciting. We got a lot of new people in. And a lot of ideas and a lot of people who weren't advisors, which was good, too, because we got a good handle on what people know, what they don't know, where we need to provide education. And so a lot of those issues that I laid out in that article nearly a year ago now is what we're hoping to solve with Bankless Advisor. But um, if you want to jump in, I think it's curious kind of your journey, learning a little bit about how advisors work and fiduciaries and, and all of that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. I. Definitely one of those folks that came over after reading the article that Steve wrote. For me, what I believe the technology implications of all this to be and the kind of things that I think it's going to enable, the more that we can educate folks on how everything works and get them to competently onboard themselves into crypto, whatever that looks like, there's an infinite number of ways for people to get into the space and there will continue to be so. I'm not one of those folks who's a maximalist in terms of what that looks like. I'm open to basically everything. But one of those things for me was it just made a lot of sense was, especially in the United States, you're strongly incentivized to engage in 401k and retirement programs through your employment. Usually you reach some point of level where you're like, wow, I've got enough money in here, regardless of what that dollar amount is, where maybe I need some actual advice in terms of what a plan looks like. Those are the type of folks who are now dealing with people like me who have questions about all this kind of stuff. And they need to know where can they get their own trusted advice and resources so that they can advise their, their clients. People brought up the legal and compliance questions about the proposal and how all that works with fiduciaries and the bankless names. But also from the time that I've spent around some of the financial advisors and other things they are uh, kind of on the flip side of that where they're just concerned about giving the quote unquote wrong or untimely advice to their customers, right? These are people that care deeply about their customers and they don't want to tell them the wrong thing or lead them in the wrong direction. And so there's a really interesting intersection um, cross-pollination happening here from kind of the two different sides. And so what this application will allow the two communities to do will be to interface in a way that not only serves both DAOs, but will onboard more and more people into crypto confidently in line with the bankless ideals and the bankless mission that will just, uh, I think, in a pretty short amount of time, allow us to do some really awesome things.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good summary, Jacob. And as far as the point about fiduciaries and who's coming in, it is basically people who listen to this podcast who also happen to be financial advisors this is who we want because it's a lot easier to scale ideas when you're writing a newsletter or putting out a podcast and you can do one to many the execution of it is a lot harder to scale and so financial advisors are a very natural distribution system to get these bankless ideas and get these principles of decentralization out there and so what bankless advisors will come here to build tools and build the resources and share resources in order to get that to as many people as possible. And then I'll pivot. I'll let you, of course, refocus us here after this, but I didn't want to give it a TLDR on the legal stuff and we can jump into as much detail. The TLDR on that is bankless advisor is not going to be providing investment advice to anybody. It's not going to be a regulated registered entity of any kind. It is basically a membership association of which there is a well-worn path for doing that without any particular liability any more than any other group would have, any other random association would have. Because all of the liability comes when you're actually providing advice or collecting a fee from the end client, from the retail user who's now doing business with you. So bankless advisor won't be doing any of that. It will simply be a place where all of the advisors who want to promote the bankless ethos and the bankless lifestyle gather to figure out the best way to accomplish it. And there will be some tokenomics and then some membership dues and some things like that along the way. So it will be revenue generating for the Dow, but it will not be providing investment advice or building things for the retail clients necessarily that go directly to them. And this is all very clear cut. There's the Financial Planning Association, the CFP board, XY Planning Network. And I got a list of, you know, 10 to 15 of these financial associations that aren't registered and it doesn't even come close to being something that would need to be registered. So I get that this is all very confusing for people who aren't in the industry, but we are on the very simple end of this, which is we're just a simple membership association.
0: Thank you. And I'm just looking at your deck here and the key points of what is a bankless advisor, meaning they have to have an active investment license in the jurisdiction they're operating in. They're not commission-based financial licenses. And I think you have basically locked 10,000 bank tokens you have to have completed the Certified Digital Asset Advisor program, and you also have to lock 10,000 of the Planner DAO tokens as well. And then, as you had mentioned, that there's a revenue component that comes back to Bankless DAO, and there is no issue with compliance or anything because we're not selling financial advice as a service uh, through Bankless DAO. Is that a fairly accurate summary?
2: Yeah, that's a good. Summer. That's a really good summary. We have a couple changes. Jacob, you want to hit on the bank, and then I'll cover the rest of it.
0: I don't
1: have it pulled up right now in front of you, but somebody made the excellent point in one of the comments on the proposal that rather than ten thousand bank tokens, it might make more sense to make the requirement whatever it was to be an L one in the DAO, which right now that's thirty five thousand bank tokens. Um, that's one of many areas in the DAO that has under, undergone some revision and will probably continue to do, which is something that Steve and I agree with. So that proposal will be amended to state that whatever the requirement is to be an L1 in the DAO will be um, what the bankless DAO token allocation will be.
2: Yeah, and that's just a start. It can certainly raise up over time because providing better tokenomics for the DAO is a priority of ours. Uh, the other piece that's evolved since we made it is the investment license being required. We may have different levels of membership because we want people who see this as a, an amazing way to distribute, to leverage everything that's being built in Bankless. We want them involved. There may be something, different levels of membership for students or for support staff at firms or for people who are just interested. So we don't really want to make it this walled garden of if you're not licensed, you're not invited to come participate and help us out. That isn't the goal at all. Just want to be clear that it is about leverage. So we are building four financial advisors to bring solutions to their clients. That's who we're building for, but we want a broader community than that, helping us build these things.
0: I understand what you're getting at, Um, because if it is, quote, gated to existing certified advisors, you know, the shrug shoulders emoji, it's like, okay, what the hell does this help me? So yeah, that's a really good point to make. And then the other thing that pops into my mind is, maybe this is a strong word, but draining brains, not necessarily away from TradFi, but taking up some more of their brain space and filling it with solid quality information. And then as they get into it, like the rest of us have, and realize how amazing and wonderful and the potential and unlimited possibilities Really get your creative juices flowing. And for somebody that's been in that business and understands how traditional finance works and starts getting really educated about this side of things, guess what? They're probably going to be shifting more of their brain capacity and energy toward the future, and that is blockchain and decentralization, if we're able to achieve our goals. But along with that, the other thing I was thinking about and in, in, in thinking about this conversation today is that we are... Even those of us that are not finance professionals, we have a set of information. Now, we may not know all the mechanics of some of the traditional finance components, and then we're learning more about that. But coming at it from the blockchain uh, decentralization side of things and learning about how TradFi maps to that. And TradFi folks are looking at it the other way. Well, we have a leg up, okay? So we have the new knowledge, and they're trying to bridge their old knowledge. It's like uh, a COBOL programmer trying to learn object-oriented programming. If you're having to either unlearn or shift your thinking or map your existing knowledge to a new paradigm, it's harder, I think. And so I think that's an area where those of us that are in here, and maybe you already have that, that Venn diagram of some finance background, plus you're pretty knowledgeable in this space, this is a great program for you. So I just wanted to make those couple of points that popped into my head
1: yeah, I'll just follow that up because while you were talking, you know, a thing got lodged in my brain that I think is important to touch on is, is the whole non-custodial aspect of the software application. The big draw for somebody like me is I still get to maintain my crypto and my keys, as they say, while at the same time being able to engage with a registered financial planner and retirement advisor and all of those kind of folks. Whereas now, if I'm engaging with one of those, and let's just say like a traditional 401k or something, and they make a trade on my behalf, and, you know, I get a notification or something that says, hey, you know, these things were done. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I didn't have any part of that. Um, with this uh, and the way it's currently set up, if Steve sees an opportunity on my behalf, if he was like my advisor, which he is not, to be clear, he is able to use the software and have, be able to essentially propose a trade on my behalf, which then it is up to me whether or not to accept it. That allows him to do the job that I hired him to do while allowing me to maintain full control and sovereignty over my own assets. And that seems simple on the surface, but I think once people start interacting with that and understand what a paradigm and mind shift that is, with the way things have traditionally always been done, where you have to give custody of some of your assets away to enable some of this wealth building transactions that happen. I think down the road is gonna be a, just an incredibly positive thing for everyone involved.
2: Yeah, those are really good points. You I need mean, you bring up kind of traditional TradFi and DeFi side, it can feel like, it feels like the tomorrow war. It feels like, hey, we're, we're here from the future. We know We know how things go, just do this. And everybody just stares at you blankly and, and it feels like that a lot of time and so a lot of it is is bringing advisors up to speed on the technology but going back the other way you know with, what you mentioned is of course educating on how traditional finance works and so much of that is the legal and compliance it's not that advisors don't want to do these things and don't want better options and, and cooler tools and those types of things it's just we can't unless they're all built and designed a certain way. And so we have to have that knowledge going back and forth. And Jacob, you bring up a great point that proposing these trades. And that's another thing that that as somebody who can speak both languages, I run into having to explain to DeFi people, I talk about the software and what it does, and it's okay, but why can't they just place their own trades? Why can't they just go to MetaMask and do this? And the answer to that is pretty simple. It's, well, they don't do it right now with their regular stocks. So why would they do it with crypto? People hire firms like mine to not trade their own ETFs and their own stocks and their own mutual funds and whatever else. They're certainly not going to trade their own crypto. And, and so it's the same thing. And when you're in DeFi every day and crypto every day, it's easy to forget because everybody's just bombing around full speed on MetaMask and you kind of forget that the rest of the world doesn't work like that. And 99% of the wealth in this country doesn't operate like that or 90% or whatever it is. So it's also about building these in a practical way where we can get it new money and bring it into crypto and not just recycle the same retail money. Again.
0: It's Yeah, it's the practicality of the current situation. I had seen in your materials, and I don't want to go off on intention here with PlannerDow, but you had done a survey and about the percentage of millennials that own crypto and the percentage of the overall population, all of that. So as we move forward, those dynamics are obviously going to shift and people are going to be more and more comfortable with these kinds of things. But you bring up a really good point because... Even though those numbers look promising and the demographic shift is changing, that doesn't mean everybody wants to screw around with that stuff. They don't find it enjoyable. People just don't want to mess with it. And I'll just use a personal example with a sibling of mine, asks for advice because I I have some knowledge, but I'm not an expert, and my sibling will come to me after he's already made a decision. It's like, okay, it would have been helpful if you had talked to me before that. They end up doing things like buying into funds that have an upfront sales commission of 5% when you could have done a no-load index fund. And you say that to them in one sentence and their eyes roll back in their head. And like, I don't know what you're talking about. The guy is nice and I trust him with my money and so I'm done with it. And... I just, I'm sure you've had that experience yourself.
2: Yeah, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> sharing that, that's the life of a financial planner. By and large, clients appreciate the advice, follow it, et cetera. But, but there's always a, a pretty significant chunk who don't, who come to you after the fact, who are just looking for validation for decisions that they've already made. And so they're like any business, there's all types of relationships. But I think that gets to what we're at here, which is <clears throat> it's not that everybody's not trying to do best for their friends and family, but the skin in the game isn't there right? Your paycheck doesn't depend on it. Your reputation doesn't depend on it. You don't have a legal fiduciary relationship with them. And we're not trying to get ready to stop talking to their family about crypto by any means, but we're trying to create a landing spot that is trusted in general. Not that everybody trusts, but for example, we would love for the entirety of Bankless DAO to feel comfortable sending somebody they meet on the street in their day job, wherever else to say, look, if you need financial advice, this is the only place to go that makes sense. You know they're fiduciaries. They understand tradfi. They understand DeFi. They understand how to do all these things, and that's really the goal here—to have that place because because you can't give advice to everybody, and sometimes you don't want anything to do with giving your sister advice right. because it's going to lead to Absolutely. family drama. So right. we're really trying to create that landing spot. That those are great points you bring up.
1: As a regular person, I just want to reiterate that because you know with my IT background, I've always been the family IT guy. So when there's problems, questions, it doesn't matter what it is, I get bombarded with it. Now, so I've now also become the family crypto guy where I get asked, what about this thing? Here's this news article, what does this mean? What should I do with this? And man, I would love to just tell my family members for reasons we can all relate to, like, hey, you know, I'm fine answering general questions, but I am not a financial advisor. I don't want to mess with your money. Your money is your money. Here's a directory of folks that, have shown through commitment, not only to the DAO and the ethos, but professionally that I would trust. And I think that's just going to be an enormously positive thing.
0: Right. And I think trust is huge. You know, we talk about all this trustlessness and, and all of that, but really there was another conversation recently. And actually, I think it was Ryan Sean Adams and David Hoffman on the bankless, the main bankless podcast. They were talking about this it may have been in the chat they do in the premium feed but about the fact that yeah a lot of it is crap (laughs) a lot of it is scams and junk but that's just like any emerging new industry if you go back and look at the early situation with uh, personal computers and all the mobile tech and everything we've got it was pretty pretty sketchy early on and i like we had talked about before we started recording is i i was looked at when i was younger as completely nuts because i was interested in this stuff that That wasn't on anybody else's radar, really. And so, you know, he's off doing some weird shit that doesn't matter to anybody else. And then 10 years later, everybody's doing it. And I'm not saying that I have some crystal ball. It's just that right now people think I'm weird because I'm into crypto. And I think this is going to change the world. And they roll their eyes and say, yeah, sure. But uh, getting back to the point, and that is trust. And if you do searches for crypto and blockchain and stuff like that, where people tend to search, you get all these stupid banners on youtube and you get all the crypto bros and i just i find it really distasteful i find it amusing in some respects but if they weren't just taking people's money if it was just stupid tiktok videos with cats or whatever but no this is people's money and the thing is i'm i still don't feel really comfortable even telling that many people that i'm in this space and that's part of the reason i'm anon and then secondly When I do tell them, I want to be able to point them to things that they can trust and that they don't then look side out at me and go, boy, you really have gone off the deep end, right? And so giving them those on-ramps, and I'm not talking about fiat on-ramps, I'm talking about the mental and the user experience on-ramps that give them confidence, allow them to communicate with people and entities that do have a fiduciary role to play. And are not just there trying to show some stupid project that's designed to drain the contract and enrich one or two people that are then going to abscond with the money.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So we have anywhere from 20 to 50 financial advisors. And they're not always advisors, but the bulk of them are. that go through our certified digital asset advisor, what we call the CDAA course, every six weeks in a cohort. And obviously, it's changed recently. But for a full year, towards the end, we'd have at least one advisor say, Oh, I just send my clients to Celsius. They can get seven or 8% there. And then we do the obvious, right? And explain that, you know, that's come from somewhere and we don't know where it is and you can't see and it's not transparent and there's nothing crypto about it. And Adam does a great job. Adam Blumberg, my co-founder in this, does a great job of walking everybody through that. But it never failed that we had one. And that's what really keeps us motivated on the Planner Down CDA side, which is thank goodness you're here. And thank goodness 50 of your peers were here when you said it. So we can educate them on why that's a terrible idea and why we're not neutral on it. We have very strong opinions on it. That's not crypto. Don't do that. And like to think that we steered a lot of advisors away from that. And the advisors who are in the planner Dow and have gone through the CD education, they weren't anywhere near Celsius or Voyager or Terra Luna for that matter, because as a fiduciary, you can't recommend those things. As a fiduciary who understands what they're talking about, you can't do it. That's play gambling money, even if you think you're getting a yield that's all that is. You can't do that or we can't be a part of it. And so it's really important to build this community. And yeah, the bankless advisors will miss out on recommending cool cutting edge things to their clients. It's just, it's going to happen. But that's our life. That's the job we signed up for. We can't do something until it's secure unless we very specifically have a tiny portion that's for speculation. There are always exceptions, but that's what we signed up for. And so we're here to figure out what is appropriate as a fiduciary And although we need maybe the ones that deliver it and filter it, we need the entire Bankless DAO to help us figure that out. There's going to be so much going on that our clients are asking about that we don't understand or have time to understand. An example of that is for me is NFTs. I know NFTs are huge in Bankless DAO and can mean so many different things. But as I had to learn so much in crypto, that's one area I just kind of had to cut off and be like, all right, I can't keep up on everything. Let's wipe out NFTs so I can be 110% DeFi and know how this works. And that's why we're going to need the resources of everybody, because there's simply too much to keep up on.
1: What I'll add on to that is it's really important that things like the bankless advisor get built in the current market conditions because they provide a community and a place for all of these folks to go to start learning, to start interacting, to trading war stories, to making connections, to building a client base and all of those things. So when the... You know, the current macro environment that we're in turns around and eventually it will turn around one way or another. That's just the way these things go. It's going to seem like it happens slowly and then all at once because with technology revolutions, that's how these things happen. And by starting to build this thing now, when that happy a bankless advisor and get started in that journey is going to be in such a good place to help out hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people when this stuff really takes off.
0: Yes, 100%. This is, I've said this before on the show, I am literally getting goosebumps right now from what you said because I feel that exactly. And part of my reluctance to tell a lot of folks in my life about the space is because it is very confusing right now and that user experience is still pretty bad, unless you're a person who's on the earlier adoption phase, we've got to look at that adoption cycle. That adoption cycle is true in everything, especially with tech and especially with this stuff. And most of people around you are not at anywhere near on the same place on the adoption curve as you are. Take pride in the fact that you're early, that you're aware of things, that you're out front before other people. This mm-hmm. is where great things happen. And don't get mad. Learn to communicate better. And as, as you said, during this B market, we build. And this is a great time for people to learn. And I got to tell you, we mentioned the merge at the beginning of the show. And I mentioned it for a reason. Because for the first time, I started getting questions from people that have never been interested at all before. Because they saw this thing, the merge, and they wanted to know why it was such a big deal. And I've been fielding some of those questions already. And I've not even told very many people that I'm in crypto. But the folks that I have, I've getting questions already. And I'm trying to be succinct about it and not overwhelm them. You've got those touch points that when things come up in conversation, we now are starting to have these tools and say, oh yeah, if you're concerned about that, look into this. And just let them start going and doing their research and they'll come back to you with a question or two if they're still interested. And you're armed with information and then you can, and you can do that disclosure spiral as people are more interested and then send them to places where they can get good advice.
1: It all just becomes a, like a, the flywheel effect. Right. The more advisors are able to work with customers on this thing, the more questions that they're able to answer, the more they're able to network with other bankless advisors and with Bankless DAO and Planner DAO, the more they just get educated, the more people they can talk intelligently with. Those folks then walk away feeling like they learned something and now they have a way to communicate to other folks. And that's how 10 years from now, when crypto is taken over the world, that that happens.
2: When we teach these CDA courses, Adam always does a great job of saying, if you're not teaching your clients about crypto, somebody else is. And that's just going to be more work for you down the road to have to undo all those things. And more importantly, if you're not talking to your clients about crypto, somebody else is. You don't have to understand everything. You just have to have these conversations so they know that you're learning and know that you're growing. And I'd say the same thing To somebody like the bankless community, which is if you're not teaching advisors about crypto, somebody else is. And it's going to be Wall Street and it's going to be Fidelity Digital. And it's it's going to be all the major Wall Street firms are going to teach advisors about crypto if we don't do it. And all that's going to do is reinforce TradFi. They're going to build in the same margins and the same layers of distribution and all the things we're trying to eliminate. And it's just going to be more work down the road to teach them the truth about how this all works and what we're doing so it's not just that advisors need to talk to their clients it's that true DeFi communities of which there are more and more planner DAO and bankless are two really good ones if we don't teach advisors somebody else is going to so we have to be aggressive at bringing as many as we can into the fold because it's just less work we have to do down the road to untrain them and teach them what what decentralization actually is for real
0: that reminds me of a sales technique that is extremely effective and that is arm our people with the questions to ask when somebody comes to you and asks about crypto and stuff and then they're going to go to their own financial advisor if they have one so just tell them hey the next time you talk to your financial advisor ask them these questions and then of course you have a conversation with them about what the answers to those questions are and then they go in and talk to their financial advisor and ask them those questions and compare the answers and they'll find out pretty quick if their financial advisor knows what the hell they're talking about
2: that's a great point and that's a good way to look at it
0: they'll either fire them or suggest that perhaps they (laughs) join the certified digital asset advisor program and learn about the future before they lose all their clients
2: yeah that's a bit harsh no that's what we're trying to do we're trying to tell everybody what the stakes are here because the stakes are high And a lot of advisors don't know that yet and we do want them to be a cda because it demonstrates a commitment and an ongoing commitment one of the things we're doing now we just shifted from basically just launching right now a whole system where part of the certification process is to complete on-chain challenges so you web 3 login and you have to do a swap and you have to go to layer 2 and you have to be an lp provider and you have to take a snapshot vote and we have a series of nine different challenges to do it and those will evolve. They will also be our continuing education. It won't be watch a video for an hour so we can pretend like you kept learning. We'll have real challenges that you have to keep, keep doing to do this. And so to have people who truly understand this, that can advise clients, and then get them working together and get some more power behind them like in something like Bankless, this is what we're after. People are, who are advisors who are committed to this because that's how we get the leverage and that's how we get a billion people in here.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I think this is super important. And given all the things we talked about today and the fact that the parameters of the proposal, getting back to the proposal for this program, are evolving and changing. We talked about the bank requirement, and that's changing to L1 status, and then whatever L1 status will be, depending on how we adjust our token gating. And for the folks that are tuning in that are not down members and are listening to this, you made it this far. Thank you. And if you don't know what all of that means, we've got a lot of other content that can explain what those things are. But getting back to the point, which is the comment period is open. We're always trying to get more visibility on proposals inform. And there are a lot of members in the DAO that, and there's only about 20 or 30 votes on it right now, and there's some good comments, but we'd like to see some more eyes on that, and quite frankly, ask some good questions. And if you disagree with something, say so. Yeah, this is really exciting. I just learned about it, quite honestly, the other day, and I'm now interviewing you guys about it. And this actually is part of the fun for me, and quite frankly, a level up, which is by doing this show, I force myself to look at proposals and things that I may not have seen otherwise. And this is a really important one. I think this is huge. And it speaks directly to driving mass adoption. And then I wanted to make one other point, and that is we are developing multiple kinds of education programs. We've got Bankless Academy, which is more end user-oriented uh, set of courses. We've got Crypto Nexus, a relationship with which you're involved. And I've also talked to Manuel Macouh, who is also part of Crypto Nexus and is doing those in real life events with Bo. And those have been going extremely well. And those are also targeted toward current finance professionals. And then you couple this with the Certified Digital Asset Advisor program to get them to the next step once they learn the basics and say, hey, I want to really dig into this and become certified in this area. These all really dovetail with each other and are complementary. And I just wanted to make that point.
1: Yeah. Thanks for doing that. The only thing that I'll add is when Steve and I were talking about this and he showed me kind of what he had built for the first time and we were talking through everything, what excited me was, is this a win for the Dow? You know, I say yes. Bankless Dow is this. Is this a win for a planner now? I say the answer to that is yes. Is this a win for financial advisors, financial planners and the like? I say yes. Is it a win for their clients? I say yes. And that's only made possible by the technologies that have made all that possible. DeFi and the blockchain and Web3 and everything kind of coming together along with some quote-unquote traditional stuff, including this podcast, to make it happen. And that's fundamentally what just has me so excited and over the moon about what we can potentially
0: build here. Well put. Anything you'd like to add to that, Steve?
2: No, I think that's well said. How you put it, Jacob. And no, for me, I think it's the point I made early that it's bringing together two communities I really believe in. I was onboarded to crypto through the Bankless rabbit hole and was here for the start of the DAO, and so inspired that I created my own, and we're doing great. We're approaching fifteen hundred members, and things are going really well. And to bring these together with just the power that Bankless DAO brings, with the advisor resources, Planet DAO knows how to build and knows how to manage. I just think. It's the type of place I would like to send my family to. It's the type of place that I would say, hey, go here. You need to find a bankless advisor. Go to this website and find one that, that looks interesting to you. So that's my motivation in all this, is to have a landing spot. My high school friends that are trading Dogecoin, I'm building it for them. I want someplace to send them, uh, mostly so they stop asking me their questions. Though.
0: Same here. I have been waiting for this, and I know people have in the past disagreed with me in some conversations earlier when we are trying to onboard people in early, I think, like season one. I'm like, I'm not there yet. I I can't do it yet because I'm not comfortable yet. And I need to learn more myself before I can tell anybody else to jump into this. Because I'll tell you what, if I suggest they get in and they lose a bunch of money, they're not going to blame themselves. They're going to blame me. And I don't want that to happen to them. And I don't want to carry that guilt, quite frankly. And I want to be able to point them to a quality resource, a quality fiduciary resource that knows what the hell they're talking about and has their best interests in mind. I'm ready for this. All right. Let's remind folks To take a look at the project proposal, and that is on forum.banklist.community. All the links will be in the show notes. September 10 was the date of the proposal, so it's very, very recent. And like I said, we'll have the direct link in the show notes. As far as connecting with either of you gents on socials, on Discord, Jacob, you are coffee and crypto, coffee ampersand crypto, and that's pound zero four 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 four. And on Twitter, you are underscore. Coffee crypto. And again, we'll have that in the show notes. And Steve, your Discord is Larson Y. And that's number three 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 six.
2: Yeah, either that or LinkedIn is good. Not on Twitter. I know that's blasphemy around here, but I have enough things to roll around in my brain. But yeah, LinkedIn's great if you just look up Steve Larson or Steve Larson crypto or CPA or whatever, I'll come up pretty quick.
0: Great. We'll put that in there as well. All right. Super guys, any last thoughts before we I think we already did a nice summary there, but I'd want to give you another opportunity in case something popped into your head.
1: Yep. And it did for me, which is unlike a lot of proposals that are on the forums, we're not asking for any funding from the DAO here. We are asking, you know, the big one, you know, obviously we want to use the bankless name for reasons we've kind of discussed in the podcast, but also, you know, we want to make bankless DAO the landing space for this project for everyone to come in, to meet, to interact, to use resources in the DAO, to get educated um, and all of those things.
2: Yeah, great point. We're going to have revenue in USD, USDC, and we hope to spend that back into Bankless Dow on bounties. I'd imagine some will be in bank as well, but we actually want to use dollars as much as we can to pay for bounties and get the work we need done from consulting to marketing to the courses to really all the things that it's going to require to run this community.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless Dow. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information on how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.